like the last time i said if you want to understand this you have to come with a heart that is open a heart that is full of forgiveness and love if you have any anger any hatred anything towards any person believe me the scriptures you will not understand so before we start this i want all of us to to pray the prayer of i confess so we'll just confess our weakness our failures our faults and any negative word or anything that we have spoken this last week or anything our thoughts or anything our words our deeds anything that has gone against his will we'll ask for forgiveness and when we forgive god and takes away he makes us clean he uproots any negative seed that has taken root in our body he uproots it and he makes us clean and when we are clean only then when a heart is empty of anything that is not from his kingdom a heart is completely removed of every vile and guilt and anger and shame and unforgiveness can the lord fill us with every goodness of his so shall we all together say this prayer of i confess i confess to almighty god and to you my brothers and sisters that i have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what i have said and in what i have failed to do therefore i ask blessed mary ever virgin all angels and saints and to you my brothers and sisters to pray for me to the lord our god amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen for all those who missed the first teaching on part 1 of revelation 1 it has been recorded you can be able to see it but i'll give a just a short a very short recap this book has been written by the holy spirit he made john write it in the island of patmos and the vision was given to him of jesus christ so entire book of revelation is about jesus christ and this book when he has written he has written into three parts that is first part is what john had seen and what john had seen was a revelation of the revealed christ the christ who is king the not the christ who walked the earth as a man but a uh, christ who's completely king 100% king and the next part is uh, what is taking place now that is revelation chapter 2 and 3 is what is taking place and what is taking place is the letters the seven letters that is written to the seven churches which were in asia minor or present day turkey and the last part is what is to take place after this means after the letters have been written what is going to take place so that is from chapter 4 onwards up to chapter 22 is the last part is what is going to take place revelation chapter 2 and 3 are especially the letters that are written to seven churches in asia minor or in present day turkey these were all literal churches this is not an imaginary church that existed in the mind of john but these are physically present churches like how we say ascension church or the holy ghost church these are the real literal churches that were present at that point of time they do not exist now they are not there but they were literally present at that time when this letter was written in around somewhere around 76 AD and in each of the letter that god is writing to each of the seven churches you can see a pattern in them the pattern is that that he is commending them for the good things that the church has done every church has got something good and something evil something negative in them so he commends them for the good things they have done and also admonishes them for the things they have not done right or they have forgotten to or they have overlooked there are some certain things that the churches have not bothered about so about those things also the lord gives them 
you know, uh, he admonishes them or tells them that you are doing it wrong. Like how we admonish or punish our child or we get angry with our kids and say, this is, you are doing this right, but this is something that you have not done. In the same way, Jesus is talking to the seven churches. Now you would say, those churches don't exist now. So it is not, it's not, it's no relevant for me. It's not relevant for me. But that's not the truth. What Jesus spoke in all the entire Bible, what is written from Genesis to Revelation. Each of them are relevant to each of us. It is applicable to all of us. If you say, St. Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote to the Thessalonians, he wrote to the Ephesians, he wrote to the Philippians. So it only applies to them, does not apply to me. No, it does not. It's not like that. It applies. All of these teachings applies to each and every one of us. Maybe we are not committing all the sins in this. Maybe we are not doing all the good things in this. So for us, every letter, we have to learn from that what the good we have done and where we have fallen. And so to the things that place where we have fallen, how we can make the correction so we can be on the last day when Jesus comes, we will be given eternal life. Don't take your salvation for granted is what the Bible teaches. Once saved is always saved is not the right thing to say. I go to church, I get my baptism, I ask for forgiveness and say it forever. No. We have to be continuously working at our salvation means we need to continuously do the will of God. We cannot do the will of God today and not do it for the rest of 20 years and then come back and say sorry to God. Yeah, God forgives us but does not give us the right to walk away from God. So we have to be continuously Every moment of our life, we have to be conscious of who we are in Christ. And when Jesus reveals this to us, this is not a very hard teaching. It's hard because we don't understand. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, we, are, we understand this. And I, at the starting, thought that when we read the book of, just reading the book of Revelation, you will be blessed. Just reading the book. So take it a habit that every day, open the Bible and read a chapter from the book of revelation and ask the Holy Spirit to expand your understanding give you wisdom and make it very easy to understand. So the first church that he's teaching today is he's talking to is the church of Ephesus. Now there are seven churches they are the Ephesus Smyrna, Pergamum Tyatria, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea and when you see them in the map they're all like a U-shaped church you know, all of them placed near to each other. Someone like, you know, for the postal guy, it would have been very easy. For John also, to deliver the letters must have been very easy. He take the postal route. He goes, you know, from Ephesus, the next church comes is Smyrna, then to Pergamum, then to Tyatria, then to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So all this church come like a U pattern next to the river. So next to the sea. It's a very beautiful churches. And the first church that we see is the church in Ephesus. The message to Ephesians. So the first, like I taught, I will be going verse to verse and uh, line by line. So if you have any difficulties, we shall, you know, meet up after the teaching. During the teaching, I may not be able to clear a doubt, but I promise I'm available out after the class gets over so that I can finish as much as I can. So you have your Bibles ready. Keep your pens ready if you have doubt. Put your mark on that and so that we can discuss about it later. Now to the angel of the church in Ephesians, right? So the instruction is given that you write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church means we are all supposed to be the angels. All the members who are present are the people who belong to the church are called as angels of the church. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. I told the revelation of what are the seven stars in the right hand? The seven stars are the seven 
angels and who walks among the seven golden lampstands the go- seven golden lampstands are the seven golden churches the seven golden lampstands stand for churches and the seven stars stands for the seven angels so this is the message which is given by uh, to the church of ephesus carried by john by spoken by jesus so the first message he is giving is i know your works jesus says i know your works your toil and your patient endurance i know that you can you cannot tolerate evil doers you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false i also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary so this is a beautiful church there's so many things that you know god is just commanding them for not one or two things like when you go for your results and you're sitting in front of your teacher and the teacher says oh he's good in this and he's good in this and he's good in that and he's good in that and he's good in this and he's good in that there is a list goes on you know the list is like you you know he's commands them you're working you're toiling you're working hard your endurance levels are so high you have rejected false prophets and for not giving up on christ so many good things that you know this church of ephesus has been doing and god is so happy with them then he comes to verse 4 but i have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first okay so one thing negative he says all things you are doing good you are working hard you are patient your endurance levels are so high you know who are the false prophets in your church that means they are so much spiritually minded unless you are gifted you have the gift of discernment you will not be able to recognize a false prophet so the people are spiritually gifted they are able they are patient and they have stood for christ all along they have not given up on christ all these great things you have done but one thing i am against it and what does he say is that you have abandoned your first love now what do you mean by your first love what do you mean by your first love my boy will say the first girl i dated in my life is my first love or my wife or my husband or my child my first love okay so that is not the uh, not the love that jesus is talking about jesus is talking about the love that you get the moment you are saved when you are born again you remember that time the first time you accepted christ when jesus came into your life you really accepted in spirit and truth the time that you accepted him in spirit and in truth and spirit means what when you got the anointing of the holy spirit and the truth is that you know that jesus is the lord god and savior both should happen you need to receive god as your savior and you should also be anointed by the holy spirit that is your first love that is the time that you have first love and when you receive that you look back and think of the times when you received that first time how you were you were constantly talking about jesus right you were just talking and talking and talking and talking about jesus to everyone see he's done this in my life see this has happened i want to go sit in the blessed sacrament i want to attend all the masses i want to receive the communion he's done this and all your friends you meet it's jesus your parents you meet is jesus morning you get up it's jesus night you get up it's jesus that is the first love but slowly along the line what happens you go to a pro, you go to a retreat you go there you are anointed full of the love of god and you're speaking god and you're confessing god and then slowly okay i am going today okay tomorrow i take a miss then three days i take a miss then fourth day i take a miss then fifth day okay i start gossiping with my friends and then seventh day the conscience pricks you and slowly given time then slowly it wears and then you come to a meeting then you go then you come and you go but the first love that he talks about is that intense love where nothing exists in the world except jesus 
you just want to sit in his presence you want to be with him all the time that's how you see how the couples are those who fall in love with each other they just want to spend every free time with each other but when they get married and after the marriage is over after 3 years down the line your conversation goes to yes no yes finish we meet you after night okay fine breakfast this time you know your conversations become syllables but when you were first in love with each other how it was you were speaking all the time every moment you had a free moment it was messaging chatting talking skyping i don't know whatever you did everything but later on what happened what happened to your first love the same thing jesus is saying when you are in love with christ what happened what happens later on to you so you have to go back to your first love and what does he mean by first love in this you read acts chapter 1 verse 8 this is the time that jesus is just going to go up into heaven he is going to go up into heaven just before his ascension sorry yeah acts 1:8 can you read that but you will receive power Thanks, when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to to the ends of the earth just before he left he went to heaven what will a man say he will say the most important thing he has to say to his disciples now he is not going to be physically present with them he is leaving them he is going back to his father and he is going to send the holy spirit so before he leaves the earth he looks at all the people who are standing there the people who are standing there are his disciples are his other people who are onlookers who have come his loved ones and mom and everybody is standing over there and what does he tell them to do he says be my witnesses the last thing he tells them to do is be my witnesses when he started his ministry also and he appointed his apostles you know he sent them two by two to go to all the places go to the ends of the world heal the sick get the people freed preach the good news to them set the captives free he tells them go preach the gospel he tells all the gospels if you see matthew mark luke and john it ends with the great commission and what was the great commission to go preach the gospel so the church is what happens is when the churches start functioning the early churches they start functioning their job was to preach the gospel a catholic church a little laid back right but the protestants how they do they go knocking on doors early morning they keep knocking on doors they give you scriptures they give you literature they say can we pray with you can we talk to you have a problem can we come and counsel you can we give a solution they are go behind them why because they love god and they love for the lost they know that if someone doesn't preach the gospel this people are going to go for a life eternal life condemned and they do not want that so there's a love of god and there's a love of the people so this is the first love that god is talking about to the church of ephesus saying that you have lost that first love you're doing all the works maybe you're attending all the meetings you're doing all you know getting together you are having a good time there is every spiritual gift happening but you are not preaching the gospel that means you're not talking about jesus to the world you're not telling him what he has done in your life your life is not a living gospel so somewhere you have lost that first love so god says you get that first love back that intimacy of relationship that you have with the lord when you want to read his word when you want to be with his word when you want to be with him every moment of your life that first love he tells the entire church to get it back and there's a great thing and he says if you do not do that yes we go to first 5 remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first so he's telling them remember and repent for the things that you did you know and fallen repent 
and do the works you did at first so what they did at first was they were constantly speaking about god the living god and giving god to everyone so they were talking about jesus to everyone so you go back and you need to the, preach the gospel to the ends of the earth now you will say but if, uh, i don't have money to buy a ticket and go to you know africa or go to saudi arabia or go to america or go to any place the ends of the earth doesn't mean that we individually have to go to all the per, all the ends of the earth we start taking s- simple steps every single day take one step a day start preaching to the people start preaching to yourself to your family preaching means don't take the mic and stand and you know like suresh says lena takes the mic and stands and preaches that's not preaching preaching is living the gospel so you need to live like christ so when you live like christ that is preaching the gospel and when people start seeing you they will want to know about you and then one step two step three steps you see where brother johnson has gone today he's preaching to the ends of the nations so it didn't happen in one day it didn't happen with one meeting it didn't happen with 10 meetings but a continuous set where he took the first step second third fourth and then god starts opening doors for you when god starts opening doors for you you don't have to worry where the money will come who will buy the ticket who is going to conduct the meeting or what you are going to do nothing is your worry he is opening the doors for you so start with the first step then the all the other doors will open then you will be able to go and preach the gospel because he says if not if you do not do that i will come to you and i will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent and there's a great warning attached to it you're a good church you're doing amazingly great spiritually revived you're doing everything good but one thing you're not doing you're not preaching his gospel and you do that i will remove your lampstand now lampstand stands for the church so he is going to say the church itself will not exist on the face of the earth that's all you would think i am doing everything good lord i'm a good i'm a working i'm a working christian i'm a spiritual christian i am anointed with everything i'm going to church i'm doing all the meeting and everything but the god says you know your church i will remove the lampstand it will not exist unless you repent yet this is your credit then he comes back to them he has given them a huge warning you know is angry with them i am going to remove your church and then he gives a small you know like how you children you get angry and then after that go give them a chocolate no the same way he gives them a chocolate and he says yeah this is to your credit you hate the work the works of the nicolaitans which i also hate the nicolaitans i will explain later on in uh, a later verse i will touch that later on so let anyone verse 7 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers i will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of god so he says now he is told them what they have done good he is told the one negative thing they have done then he also gives them a chocolate saying that yeah this is another good thing that you are doing and the end he says everyone who conquers I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Now when I was teaching you about the book of Genesis I did teach to you about I did uh, you know teach uh, you about the true trees that are of very importance in uh, the uh, garden of Eden. They are the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Both the trees are very significant. Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and she fell in, into disobedience and because they fell into disobedience now they are sent out from the garden but before they could be banished from the garden of eden what does god do he takes a cherubim and he puts a cherubim 
with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life the tree of life had fruits that they were eating and enjoying for so many years as long as they were in the garden of eden they were eating of the tree of life the tree of life means if you eat that you will live forever there is no death for you there is no death for a person who is eating of the fruit of the tree of life but now since they had fallen they had they had gone into sin and in the sinful state if they went and ate of the tree of life they would continue in the sinful state for the rest of their life so there would be no salvation for them so to prevent them from taking of the fruit and eating it god had to guard it with his own cherubim and in guarding that he was not saying i am denying my children to eat from this life but in fact he was doing a great a great good for all of us present here because if that day while walking out of the garden if eve or adam had just lifted their hand and eaten of that fruit then all of us would continue in the sinful state and we would have no salvation there would be no salvation because god's words once is put down he does not change the words the words are written the covenant is written the promise is given the seal is put it is finished it's a done deal god does not change his word so he had to guard and protect that so when his promise is giving to the to the people of ephesians is he says you conquer you go back and you go preach the gospel i am going to give you of the tree of life you will eat that that means you will live forever that is you are going to now you conquer this you go preach the gospel you will have eternal life gifted to you so this is the gift that he is speaking to of the church of ephesians and if it applies to us we need to take it all the good things we do we should thank god for that but if we have forgotten our first love we need to get back to our first love and the first love is to be the witnesses of christ to the ends of the world amen so did you understand this okay now we come and before i also i would like to touch the word on the word conquer the word is written here as let anyone who has an ear listen to what the spirit is speaking to the churches to everyone who conquers now what do you mean by the word conquer you the word conquer or overcometh it is written as overcometh or conquer you go to 1 john 5 for who is the one who conquers for whatsoever is born of god conquers the world 1 john 5:4 so whatsoever is born of god conquers the world who is born of god who is born of god we are born of god who believe in jesus christ the saved people are born of god everyone who is saved is born of god he is an overcomer he conquers so if you are saved you are saved in i told two things you need to be saved one is what saved in spirit and the truth so you need both you need to be saved in spirit and in truth truth is the knowledge of jesus as your savior and the spirit is the anointing of the holy spirit so everyone who is who has this two uh, you know two important uh, gifts of being uh, anointed by the holy spirit and knowledge of the truth you are saved and they will conquer the world amen so the word conquer you understood in some of the bible is written as overcometh so the first message is to message is to ephesians now we come to the second one and the message is to the next church that is smyrna we go to chapter 2 verse 8 revelation 2 chapter 2 verse 8 and to the angel of the church in smyrna write the words of the first and the last 
who died and came to life so the angel of the church in smyrna is to the people or the all the congregations in smyrna these are the words of the first and the last who was dead and came to life there is alpha and omega who was dead and came to life is jesus so these are the words of jesus and he says i know your affliction i know your difficulties i know what you are going through in your life all the problems that you are going in your life and your poverty even though you are rich so what does it mean i know your affliction i know that you are having a lot of difficulties you are going through so many issues in your church i know know your poverty and this poverty is a physical poverty i know that you are not rich you are you don't have all the things that the other churches are flaunting about there's not much of money in your church you're a congregation of simple people a simple people coming from a simple background there's not much of wealth in you but even though you are rich i know of your poverty even though you're rich even though you're rich means they are spiritually rich a church which is filled with spiritually rich people but they are in the, in the natural sense they don't have the riches of the world and he says that i know your affliction i know your poverty i know that you are spiritually rich i know the slander on the part of those who say that they are jews and are not but are a synagogue of satan i will stop here so it's very important for you to understand the scripture i know the slander on the part of those who say that they are jews and are not what do you mean by slander what do you mean by slander what do you mean by slander somebody talks ill about you goes to the class or goes to the office a colleague or someone just slanders your name talks everything negative about you that's slandering your name so what is he saying about that he says i know the slander on the part of those who say that they are jews and are not the slander is the people who confess that they are jews but they are actually not not jews and what does god call them he calls them a synagogue, synagogue of, of satan. satan he calls a synagogue, synagogue of, of satan now what is a synagogue church. a synagogue is a place of worship where the jews go to worship like church is where christians go to worship and you know where's a mosque you know what's a temple the synagogue is a place where the jews yeah. worship so now what do you mean by synagogue of satan Let's go to romans chapter 2 verse 28 romans 2 28 says for a person is not a jew who is one outwardly listen carefully please listen for a person is not a jew who is one outwardly nor is true circumcision something external and physical rather a person is a jew who is one inwardly and real circumcision is a matter of the heart it is spiritual and not literal such a person receives praise from others but not from god very important scripture for you to understand because the world around teaches now you are hearing the news everywhere the jews are god's chosen people have you listened to that or not have you listened yes or no none of you have heard that have you heard or not the jews are the god's chosen people so who are we are you a born jew Is anyone over here present a born Jew? Can you say my father is a rabbi or I belong to a family of Jews? No. We are not born Jews. So we always think that we are adopted children into the God's kingdom, isn't it? It's all wrong. It is wrong. You read the scripture again. Romans 2:28 for a person is not a Jew, one who is one outwardly. So if you are like if you look at a Punjabi, do you know he is a Punjabi? Why? 
because he's dressed like one he has a turban on his forehead the turban signifies that he is a punjabi but a true punjabi is not the one who wears the he is a punjabi who is a true punjabi in his heart he may wear the turban he may look externally like a punjabi but he may not be the punjabi that he is supposed to be according to the faith he may not be a true punjabi in his heart you understanding but his externally we look and we classify him as a punjabi same way when we look at a jew how does a jew look like how do the rabbis look like you look at the cap you look at the dress you look at the long robe that they used to wear remember what jesus looked at the pharisees and the sadducees and what did he tell them you brood of vipers how could he call them a brood of vipers they were god's chosen people how could he call them your brood of vipers they are the one he came to preach the gospel to remember are you understanding he came to preach to the jews first and then the gentiles everywhere he says the jews first and then the gentiles the jew first and then the gentiles why why would god be such a if god does that then god would be a partial god isn't it he is showing partiality to a particular race or a people haven't you ever thought about it has it ever gone into your mind is god partial but do you think god is partial do you think god is partial if he is partial then you have to read acts 10 34 Peter began to speak to them I truly understand that God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him you understanding in every nation he did not say only the Jews or only the Gentiles or only the Asians or the Americans or the Africans or the Chinese he says God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and thus what is right is acceptable to him now why do you think he came for the jews first now look at the creation how did the creation begin jesus god gave to abraham gave to abraham and from abraham isaac jacob and then all the people down the line david and down the line the entire you know the segment of people that god was you know working on to bring the to bring the messiah to bring the messiah so these were the people that he loved not that he loved the other people less he loved everyone equally but just because you are born a jew you are not automatically saved you understanding just because i am a jew i am saved i am the chosen people of god does not apply at all to anyone that's why in romans 8:28 he says so very clearly he says the circumcision god had given this circumcision was a covenant from god i told you to moses what was the promise and what was the you forgotten I did teach you in the blood covenant relationship was the covenant relationship with mosaic covenant and the shedding of the blood and the shedding what was what were they supposed to do they had to cut the foreskin they had to circumcise the first born the son they had to cut the foreskin and blood was shed so blood was important that was given by Jesus by God the father himself that circumcision they had to do to show that they belong to Christ then what happened what happened people started doing this as a ritual their heart was not in it they said god has told i will do it but their heart was not in following god they followed all the thing that was written in the letter you need to tithe 1/10 of mustard you need to tithe 1/5 of rye you need to tithe 1/10 of you know fennel seeds imagine they were doing all that but in their heart they were evil they were speaking bad words they were not good to the uh, to the family members they were very cruel with the children they were cruel with their wife so they followed to the letter what was spoken by god but their heart was far from god so the lord when jesus came he says the circumcision is not of the foreskin you need to circumcise your heart 
It has nothing to do with external mutilation of your body. It is written. It is not the external mutilation of your body. Very strongly he writes that Peter writes to the, you know, Peter is writing to the Philippians. And these Philippians are the people who are living in Macedonia. And he's ta- uh, talking to them. They are the Gentiles. They are not the Jews. And he writes in very strong language to them in Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. He says, beware of the dogs. He does not call any easy word. He says, beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we. We means we are Gentiles. Who are the circumcision? Who worship in the spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. It does not negate that you should not circumcise. The Jews still circumcise. They they continue the circumcision. But God is saying there is something greater than that. You should not only circumcise in the physical sense, but you should circumcise in the heart. That means your heart, your internal and external should meet with God. Both should be in love with God. You cannot only do external things and then say, I am saved. I am a Jew. You can see, my son is circumcised. My uh, All the male in my family are circumcised. Or this is, I am putting a cap on my head. I am eating this particular set of food. No, God says, no. He says, you are a brood of vipers. I don't know you. I don't know you, he says. To give uh, an understanding about this, now in a synagogue, who goes to a synagogue? Do you go? Do you go? Who goes to a synagogue? Only the Jews go to the synagogue. Anybody else go to the synagogue? The Jews go to the synagogue. And in the synagogue, the Jews are following a religion called Judaism. What is that? Judaism. And in the Judaism, they follow the first five chapters of the Bible. What are the first five chapters of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So they believe in the first five chapters of the Bible that we have and that is the entire book that they follow. So they confess about their faith on God the Father. But they have nothing to do with God the Son. But what does the Bible teach us? That if you have God the Father, then you also need to have God the Son. You cannot separate both of them. You cannot say, I believe in God the Father and I don't believe in God the Son. If you don't believe in God the Son, God the Father does not exist. Because they cannot be separated from. So you cannot confess faith to only God the Father and not believe in God the Son. And anyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord is not from God. You understanding? You may be born Jew or whatever. You may be in the synagogue or you may be the rabbi. But the word of God says, if you do not believe in God the Son, then the the religion that you are worshipping is not from God. It's a synagogue of Satan. So God is not the author of your life. Now you have made Satan the author of your life. Now does not mean that all the Jews belong to this category. There are many Jews who who believe, who are born again, they are Christians. So they do not belong into this. It is not the entire race is, you know, Antichrist. I'm not saying the entire race is Antichrist. But the people who do not believe in the, you know, from book 6 to the other, all the books are not confessing their faith in Jesus. And if they do not confess faith in Jesus, only the God the Father, they are not believing. That means they don't even worship God the Father. It's some different God that they are worshipping. Are you understanding? So just by being born a Jew, you will not be saved. So the the scripture, the people say, you bless the people of Israel, you are blessed. You curse the people of Israel, you will be cursed, does not hold true at all. 
you bless the people of god you will be blessed you curse the people of god you will be cursed that stands true because you need to be a child of god so you need to bless every child of god you will be blessed because the life and power is in your tongue what you are speaking will bring forth life but does not mean now you don't have to live in the fear that okay if i'm going to curse you know i'm going to speak negative about the jews the curse is going to come upon me no god cannot be impartial god is a totally god cannot be partial he is a totally impartial god he loves everybody this actually set me free because all along i used to think is always the jews first the gentiles less like we seem to be the you know someone who was unwanted but we got grafted into god's kingdom someone who was you know not actually born in the family but adopted into his kingdom the, the, the child who's you know in a, if a pair of family has their own you know their own psychological kid and the adopter kid so always the child who's adopted always feels inferior right the more attention is given to the you know the, the your your own physiological child you give more affection and the child who is adopted is not given that kind of a, oh he's i don't know which family they have come from it's always there's a kind of a you know there's a difference between both of them so that's how most of us i was to feel all along because you are the one who love god but this actually set me free because it's not your birth that will take you to christ it is believing in the finished work of jesus and receiving the anointing of the holy spirit both are important that gets you saved amen just read thessalonians 2:14 before i go to the next one for you brothers thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14 thessalonians 1 thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14 for you brothers and sisters become imitators of the churches of god in christ jesus that are in judea for you suffered the same things from your own compatriots as they did from the jews this he is talking to them about the early christians who killed both the lord jesus who killed the lord jesus who killed him who killed the lord jesus the jews killed him who killed the prophets the jews killed the prophets and they drove us out they displease god and they oppose everyone by hindering us from speaking to the gentiles so that they may be saved the jews did not want anyone else to be saved they said we are the chosen people and so you cannot proclaim the good news to the gentiles they did not want the gentiles to come into the knowledge of the truth so thus they have been constantly been filling us filling up the measure of the sins so the jews have been you know the sin and their quota has been constantly going up and god's wrath has overtaken them at last so jesus was not the only one who was persecuted by the jews the early christians all the early christians were persecuted by the jews themselves then why did jesus go only to the jews why did jesus go to the jews because he knew because he knew these are the people who you know everybody has gone wrong these are the chosen people from god that was not the chosen they were the main creation the main head adam eve and as a entire thing the main uh, the main uh, main line of creation right from the genesis those people he did not want them to be lost the seed of abraham he didn't want people to be lost so he was so thing that no you have all gone away from what my lord has told you to he's given you rules he's given you the judges he's given the prophets he gave you the kings he gave you everything but you went away but i don't want you to be lost so he's working with the jews because god loves everyone so he wants to bring every person into the knowledge of the truth so being those who are following judaism in the true form god says it's a synagogue of satan but the next word says do not fear what you are about to suffer that means persecution will come from the jews for all the christians the persecution will come from the jews and he says beware 
the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have affliction so what is he saying beware the devil is about to throw some of you into prison this is a literal story not a story this is a little happening at the time of smirna the people were totally into affliction he speaks the word affliction there and the starting the first thing he speak to the church of smirna that i know your affliction so he knows that they are going through a lot of tribulation and problem like we see the problems happening at present time in our churches catholic churches we see there is persecution taking place all over you can hear in mangalore you can hear in different parts of south india north india everywhere they are persecuted for the church and because of this persecution many of the people have been taken and put into prison they have been killed people have been beaten and bruised you can read the news every day this is persecution for belonging to jesus christ so he says i know about all your affliction and what is going to happen and literally for 10 days you will have affliction or you can take it as a literal word 10 days as 10 days of affliction so 10 days the church will go through severe affliction that is a literal thing which happened in smirna but there is also a spiritual background for this number the 10 days so for that i will have to take you to the book of leviticus go to book of leviticus number 23 Leviticus 23 Yeah I'll just come to that and before I want to give you one thing one more on partiality in James 2:9 the verse says if you show partiality you commit a sin so would Jesus show partiality if he was showing partiality to the Jews he would be committing a sin so Jesus never showed partiality to any particular race people are teaching the wrong things so beware keep your eyes and ears open if somebody tells you the jews the chosen people the news should say no we who believe in jesus christ who are circumcised in our heart we believe believe the truth of you know being born again in christ and the anointing of the holy spirit we are the actual jews or the actual circumcised are you understanding so jesus never sinned so the sin of partiality cannot be given unto him So understand so now we go to Leviticus 23 if you understand Leviticus 23 will you understand the chapter verse 10 days now you know when Jesus was speaking to the uh, people of Israel the God the Father was speaking to the people of Israel he gave them many appointed festivals that they had to follow he had to, he gave them many appointed festivals and you know these festivals were divided into two festivals one is called as the spring feast and the other is called as the fall feast one is called as the spring feast another is called as the fall feast or the harvest feast so they are totally seven feast now our calendar begins in the month of january we believe our calendars which we have we follow the english calendar begins in the month of january but most of the calendar especially the hebrew calendar which was existent at that time they did not bring begin in the month of january they be, they began in the month of march that is the spring time so they began in the month of march and so even if you see the word october if you see october means what october stands for the number octopus what do you see octopus eight eight october octopus has got eight legs october octo stands for eight so it should actually be the eighth month but in october for us is which month the 10th because instead of starting in march we are starting in january okay now let's take november November in the Spanish word it is Nuevo. Nuevo stands for the number nine. So November should actually be the ninth month, but for us it is the 
11th month if you take december also disiesu that is in the spanish word that stands for the number 10 but for a december is the month 12 so we are two months ahead of all these feast actually we are go- we are following when our uh, you know when we start the year in the middle of winter december is winter for us so we start in the middle of winter but the hebrews started it in spring so the spring f- uh, feast actually began in the month of march so god gave them seven feasts the other feast of the passover unleavened bread first fruits feast of week or the feast of the feast of the pentecost then there's the feast of blowing of the trumpets there's a day of atonement and the last feast is the feast of booths or tabernacles I'll actually like to take an entire teaching on this feast then you will get an understanding about all this feast but for today I'll give you a short synopsis of this so that you just get an understanding so that you will get to know what I'm talking about in the book of revelation because all this will be fulfilled in the book of revelation so if you don't understand little of this you will not be able to understand the book of revelation the first is the feast of the passover unleavened bread first fruits and the first weeks these are the spring feast okay and Jesus Christ fulfilled all the spring feast in his first coming when he came on earth the first time he became the passover he was the passover lamb he also became the unleavened bread he broke the bread with all the people so the feast of the unleavened bread he was the unleavened bread then what is the feast of the first fruit the feast of the first fruit was when he died and he rose again he became the first fruit after death the resurrection he became the first fruit and then 50 days after his resurrection comes the day of his ascension which we had last week and then follow that you have the day of the pentecost which is celebrated tomorrow so this other feast of the spring the spring feast or the feast of the passover where he became the passover for us he passed over you remember that in egypt what happened that time they had to take the blood of a lamb they had to kill and they had to put on the lamp post but for our passover jesus became the passover he was you know he was put on the cross he was nailed on the cross and he became the unleavened bread unleavened bread is what he would broke the bread and he says now i am coming and living inside of you that is what we receive in the sacrament of the holy communion and he became the first fruit means after his death he was the first one to rise again resurrection and after that he also fulfilled the feast of the pentecost is his ascension into heaven and then he sent us the holy spirit so all the first uh, the first uh, you know the spring feast jesus fulfilled in his first coming now the remaining three feast which are left jesus is going to fulfill in his second coming and now the three feast are the blowing of the trumpets the day of atonement and the feast of the tabernacles are you understanding these all three feast have not yet been fulfilled and the end that is the feast of the tabernacles or of the booth is actually the feast of the harvest and the end of the world you know there is going to be a harvest of souls are you understanding so this three things have to be fulfilled and at the end jesus is going to come amen now what do you mean by blowing of the trumpets the festival of trumpets this festival was uh, you know given to them on a particular day that they were supposed to have it it was the first day of the seventh month according to that calendar so if you take the first day of the seventh month it falls exactly at the center of your calendar a calendar has got 12 months 
So six months here, six months there. So first year of the seventh month is coming right in between. You understanding? So six months before, six months after. So this feast of uh, the feast of the uh, trumpets falls exactly on the first day of the seventh month, and you know the there will be blowing of the trumpets. So what God told them that before you enter into this feast, you need to blow that shufa. What is a shufa? We had that shufa, that instrument that uh, you know once Neil got for us. For one of our sessions, he got a shufa, and you blow that shufa. When you blow the shufa, that starts that the feast of the blowing of the trumpet starts. So the people have to all gather. It's not only the people; the entire nation has to gather into that place. And now, then they will, you know, uh, have a festival of the blowing of trumpets. Now, what are the times where the trumpets blow? The trumpets were blown in good times. Apart from this, I'm saying. In good times, or did they were born at a time to signal that a war was going to begin? What would happen at olden times when the war was going to take place? How would they make the people know that the war is going to happen? They didn't have mobiles to send messages, or they didn't have a mic system. So what they will do? They will blow the trumpet. They will blow the shofar. So moment the shofar has been blown, all the people will come and they will know that a war is going to take place. That was how it was in the last. You know, in the old and Old Testament, in the same way, when the trumpets are blown in the new, in this time now, it signifies that the Antichrist is going to come and wage a war with all the Christians. So, the blowing of the trumpets will be the time of the appearance of the Antichrist in the world at that time. So, trumpets will be blown. The trumpets will be blown, signifying that the Antichrist will come, and for ten days. For ten days, this Antichrist is going to wage a war with the people or the children of God. So the second feast falls exactly ten days after the first feast, and the second feast is the feast of atonement. It's a feast of atonement. Now, the, the, uh, atonement means what? What do you mean by atonement? Being sorry for your sins. It's not something that you rejoice with. You know, you celebrate a feast. What do you do? You wear the best of garments. You have a gala party. You cook the best meals. You have, you know, you cut the lamb and the goat and the meat and the camel and everything. And you call all the people and you party. That is the feast you have. But they say this is the feast of atonement. Now, why would it God call an atonement a feast? And it exactly happens ten days after the feast of. The blowing of trumpets, because at the end of the ten days, the Antichrist is going to be defeated. So at this time, the feast of atonement happens. Now I'll take atonement in the Old Testament. What was the feast of atonement in the Old Testament? Was that at that time the high priest, signified by Aaron, Aaron was the first high priest, right? And when he used to come normally dressed, he used to come dressed like how our Pope dresses now. In royal regalia, it was beautiful. You know, the eyes just behold the beauty of his countenance. His dress is so amazing, filled with all grandeur, the gold borders, and you can see all the precious stones and his cape and his long, you know, the cape which is flowing back behind him. It looks so amazing. Why? Because he's a representative of God here on earth. So when you see someone who represents God, you need to see. Beauty, you need to see grandeur, you need to see like something like God, not someone wearing a jeans, torn pants and half sleeves and cord. No one is going to give him any significance, right? You imagine, I go in my jeans and shorts and you know, maybe my hair is in a disarray and I say, I am the Pope. 
just an example okay a lady cannot be a pope so i'm just saying if i go say i'm a pope people will say who cares who knows you're not the pope you don't look like the pope so you signify the pope with all his pompous with regalia with everything that he comes because he is a representative of christ here on earth so he has to be dressed like that but on the day of atonement what does prophet what is the high priest Aaron do he removes all that he removes all that and he wears you know a very very poor man's garment a thin white color garment just something white to cover himself he is so poorly dressed that people could mistake him you know could mistake him for a servant so badly he's dressed why because he's going to go and atone for the sins of himself his family and for the whole nation of israel and he just can't enter into the temple just like that he has to go into the temple with two goats one goat for his sins and one goat for the sins of the whole people and one goat will be sacrificed and one goat they would lay their hands and confess the sins of all the people and live it in the desert they will not kill it they will let it free in the desert so there are two goats that are taken for sacrifice on the day of atonement and on the day of atonement Aaron does not look like a king he looks like a servant because he's going so the day of atonement also in the bible comes exactly 10 days after the feast of the blowing of the trumpets so the lord says in in and the festival of booth i will just i will just touch on the festival of booth the festival of the booth was given to the people so that they would remember in this festival of booth or the tabernacle means there are booths what what do you mean by booth atm booth you have yeah milk booth you have different kinds of booths you have so that's like a small tent or a place where you can dwell so when god was taking the people through the israel 40 years of journey people were residing in what they were residing in small places they were residing in booths so when they have already crossed over they come to the promised land god tells them now on these days you will go you will make booths and you will dwell in them so that you will remember other people tend to forget right we tend to forget all the good things like suppose you got a promotion you got a healing you got deliverance your child got a good job you got a good spouse for your child or so many things happen but one month down the line where do you remember do you remember anything the next problem comes and we say god where are you we forget the goodness of god and we always remember the bitterness of life so to remember the goodness of god god gave them this festival that this festival of you know of 7 days actually 9 days beginning with one day of sabbath ending with the last day of sabbath sabbath means complete rest and the between the days they would they would be remembering what they did so they would live in those booths now booths also mean tabernacle tabernacle also means a place where we dwell or we live so the place that we have offered in the church it is called as a tabernacle tabernacle place means here jesus dwells in this is the place where jesus dwells in so this booth or this festival of the booths of booths of or or a tabernacle was uh, you know to tell the people that you dependent completely on me when you were on this journey and you lived in this booths and now you have come to the promised land now that is the second part now the first part that is this 10 days from the blowing of the trumpets to the day of the atonement is the 10 days of affliction and god is telling the church of you know revelation that this 10 days if you can the too many scriptures is falling please forgive me so if this 10 days if you are able to stand the test and you are faithful unto death then i will give you the crown of life 
So what he says, you have to go over this affliction of this 10 days. And the moment the 10 days are over, I'll give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. And the second death means the last death where you it is eternal damnation. So you understood the message of to Ephesians was all the good things they did and then the one thing that they lost the first love and God tells them to go back to the first love and if they go back to the first love he gives them the right to eat of the bread of life, tree of life. And the second is a message to Smyrna. He says only one thing he knows about that they are going through a lot of persecution. The church is being persecuted. They are a poor, simple people, but they are rich in the spiritual life. And he says that you will be persecuted. So this word persecution comes almost, you know, Jesus was persecuted, Paul was persecuted, John was persecuted. So every child of God is also going to be persecuted. Amen. So there is no, if anyone is teaching you, the children are not of God are not going to be persecuted, you're going to have a pre-rapture, you're all going to be taken up to heaven, and then the tribulation starts, it does not happen that way. I t- told you last time itself, the tribulation will happen, then the signs will happen. What are the signs? The sun will be darkened, the moon will be darkened, the stars will fall from the sky. After that, Jesus will come, and in that second coming will be our rapture with Christ for those who belong to Christ. Do you understand? So there is no pre-rapture concept that is wrong. There is going to be only one rapture and that is the second coming of Christ and that follows tribulation and the signs and the coming of Christ. Amen. And those who conquer this, means if you can survive this 10 days of affliction, then you will not be thrown into the lake of fire. You will go into heaven directly. Now the message to Pergamum, I'll read a little fast. Okay. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. The sharp two-edged sword means the word of God. So who is the one who has the sharp two-edged sword? Please answer. Who has the sharp two-edged word? The word of God. Who has that word of God? Jesus is speaking. How did John see him? What came out from his mouth? That was a figure. It meant that the word of God comes. So this is spoken by Jesus. I know where you are living, where Satan's throne is. What does he mean? What is he telling to Pergamum? I know where you are living and there Satan's throne is. So the place that you are living is where Satan's throne is. Why did he say that? Because Pergamum is a city which is a place of idolatry, idolatry, where emperors were worshipped. Emperors were worshipped. The king was worshipped and people had to bow down to the emperors and worship him and those who did not do it, they were killed. Do you remember anybody else who was told to do this? Nebuchadnezzar, the king Nebuchadnezzar was like that. He told Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that if you do not worship, don't bow down and worship King Nebu, then they will all be killed and they were thrown into the fire. The same thing was happening in in Pergamum. In Pergamum, they had to give the reverence to Satan. They had to worship an emperor. So anyone who lifts himself above God takes the position of Lucifer and Lucifer is Satan. So you understanding? Here the emperor was taking the position of God. He is not supposed to be God. No one can worship anybody else. You have to worship only God. So now he says that I know where you are living. You are living in Satan, the place in where Satan's throne is. And there is one person who was living there who did not bow down to the emperor. What does, uh, we'll go ahead. Yet you were holding fast to my name and you did not deny your faith in me even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan lives. So what does one person call, call Antipas? Anti? Antipas. Yes, Antipas was this one guy 
like shadrach meshach abednego he was one person who said that i will not bow down to the king i will not bow down to the emperor so what they did to him they put him on a brazen bronze statue of a bull and they burned him alive he was killed and so he was killed his faithful one was killed so this is a is a is a country or a city that is living among the completely corrupted people of god where they're worshiping idols they're having statues they're doing everything that is negative but there are people there who still are holding on to their faith and there is one particular witness that he talks about is antipas and who has been killed now what does he come back but i have a few things against you you know this is a place where people are standing for christ they are being severely persecuted you have the emperor chasing you killing you if you are even reading the bible or doing anything else but he says there is one thing that i have against you and that is you have you have some there means not everybody in the church but there are some there who hold the teaching of balam who taught balak to put a stumbling block before the people of israel so that they would eat food sacrificed to idols and practice fornication now who is this balam and who is this balak Balaam was the prophet Balaam. You remember? In book of Numbers when you read, they wanted to curse, you know, the people were scared of Israelites. Balak, the king Balak, you know, he was scared of Israelites. There were three nations and the Israelites were camped in that place. And, you know, king Balak got so scared because he knew the God was dwelling among the Israelites. So what does he do? He says there is a prophet who is living in the land and we will call this prophet and whatever he speaks happens. So he calls the prophet Balaam and tells them, I am going to bless you with so and so, I am going to give you this, I am going to give you that. He entices him. What is happening now? And people changing from BJP to Congress, JDS, all that horse trading that is going on. In the same way, he was telling, uh, you know, telling the prophet Balaam and prophet has to speak only the what god tells him to speak he cannot speak anything else you understanding he cannot be someone who can be purchased with 100 crores or you know 50 crores or you know a seat in the ministry or anything like that he just speaks the word of god so he calls him and tells him that you now go up and you curse this people of israel of israel and what you speak is going to happen to him so he feels very thrilled because he is going to get so much of possession he is going to get name and he is going to get everything so he agrees to go and curse so he goes to the top of the mountain and he builds an altar he makes a sacrifices and he starts cursing them opens his mouth to curse but the moment he opens his mouth to curse blessings come out so he's very angry he's angry the king is angry he says okay probably this is a small mountain let me go to a higher mountain he goes to the next higher mountain again does the same thing again he opens his mouth again he wants to curse but again he can't curse only blessing comes in now he is more angry the king is even more angry so they said okay now we go to the highest peak the top place if i go to the top you know the topmost mountain maybe i'll have got more energy and i can scream more curses on the people of israel so he does it the third time and when he does it the third time again blessings come out and when he reaches the third time then he realizes that it is not possible to curse a generation that is blessed by god then what does he do now he knows he cannot curse his people so what he does what does he plan to do he knows that he has to get them into this obedience and when they get into disobedience they will fall into sin and the moment they fall into sin they will get under the curse you understanding as long as they are doing what god tells them to do they are under the blessing the moment they go against god they go into disobedience go into sin they themselves will because he doesn't have to pray a cursing upon them or curse them they will come under curse so what he made them do he just told the other other tribes to mingle with this people to mingle with them get your sons married to the daughters get your daughters married to their sons so when they did that those people who got married and came into this families they only didn't come they brought their 
idols with them and they brought the idols with them the people started worshiping those idols and they got into sin and now they themselves came under the curse they didn't have to do anything so the same thing what happened at that time is what is happening in the church of pergamum and god is very 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 angry it's not a simple thing this is a teaching for our church because we are living in india this is a teaching for our church we need to take it very severely we will say our church is great we are being persecuted the you know the people are coming against us we are being killed our pastors our priests our nuns are being killed we are having so many problems so we are the chosen people of god we are going to heaven but god says there are some people among you he does not say all but there are some people among you who are doing what they did at the time of balam and balak that means you are becoming a stumbling block to others to follow their faith so if your children are getting married into people of the other religion the easiest way to bring them back through your faith is first to live like christ don't preach the gospel to them live the gospel to them the moment you live the gospel to them they will know the truth and they will come that is what happened between whom Ruth and Ruth and Naomi and Ruth Naomi was from the chosen race she believed the true god but Ruth was from the gentiles from a person who was you know pagan worshiping but this mother in law was so rooted in the word so living the gospel that this daughter in law even after the death of her uh, husband after the death of her husband refused to go back to her parents but she wanted to live with her mother in law because she saw the love or she saw god in her mother in law that is how you bring people from other faith to into your faith so but if you do not know your faith you do not know who the true god is tomorrow you will be worshiping their gods because you do not know your god you have never gone to church you do not know your gospel you do not know the sacraments you do not know what your faith is how deep that faith is and if you think that it's okay everything is fine sab chalta hai it's not right sab nahi chalta hai not everything is acceptable to god that is what god says he is very serious about it he says that if you hold on to the teaching of nicolaitans i was saying i will come back to what this nicolaitans is i said that in the first in book 2 you know chapter 2 in the earlier part that when he is commending the people of ephesians and in the last he gives them a carrot he says i like you because you hate the works of the nicolaitans now this nicolaitans is uh, comes in this this entire word comes in the book of revelations only and it comes ta- only twice one when he is speaking to the ephesians and the next time he is speaking now to the church of pergamum so what this nicolaitans is that they are like a cult they are a people of a cult who have distorted the bible now if you think that the nicolaitans are people who take the bible but they distort the bible i told you in the introduction to revelation there are blessings attached to reading this book and i told you the last thing that if you add a word you subtract a word you delete a word or do anything that is not from god then every curse that is written upon this book of revelation shall befall you amen if you take the eucharist and that eucharist is not a symbolic representation of christ it is literally christ it is christ that you take in if you do not take in that christ i have nothing to do with you you know jesus when he spoke on the mount i'm completely going off track but i'm telling you now jesus when he spoke on the mount when he gave the sermon on the mount people came running after him because he had multiplied bread many people came to him they were chasing him 
at the moment he said to them that you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood people walked away they got angry and they left him and walked away they were so angry what kind of a teaching is this how can i eat his flesh how can i drink his blood this is cannibalism this is nonsense this is a crazy man he went away and all the people who were also close to him disciples you know the apostles and all many people all left last well only the 12 disciples were standing with him and jesus was standing and looking around and he says you want to go you go he was not going to compromise on this teaching he says i am not going to compromise on this teaching this is literally you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you do not do that you don't have any part in me so the communion is the center of our faith and communion is the center of the church so uh, jesus was not willing to change his teaching even if the 12 disciples were willing to leave him and go he says no i am going to make it easy for you stay with me everybody is gone i don't want you desert because jesus had come to the earth and his entire mission he had to teach this 12 people you understand that he had to teach this 12 people and through this 12 people they would go replicate it and teach to the end of the world you understanding so these 12 people were very precious to him were very very precious to him because if these 12 people were not there then there would be no one to preach the gospel after he dies he's resurrected and he's gone there would be no one to be the witnesses to the end of the earth so these 12 people were very very precious to him so he wanted these 12 people to listen to the word of god but at that moment also he turns back and he tells them you want to leave you leave but i am not going to change the truth the teaching remains the same so this teaching he staked everything on was the eucharist was his teaching that my entire thing is based on the eucharist and that teaching he was not willing to even change one person make it little easy for them okay 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 wait back come back all the people who are going come back to me i'll make it little easy for you to understand i will tell you this is just a symbol symbol of my body symbol of my you're not going to eat my flesh or drink my blood this is a symbol of my blood no he never changed and people just left him people everybody walked away but the disciples stayed back and peter is the one who says where shall we go you are the one who has eternal life he didn't speak from his knowledge he just was a man who was so used to just blurting things out which came first in his mouth he would blurt it out such a simple man and to him god gave the keys the entire keys you know the he has the keys like he became the first pope so you understanding So he says to him in Revelation 2 verse 15 so you also have some who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans repent then if not i will come to you soon and make war against them with the sword of my mouth he says if you do not repent i am coming and i am making a war with this false teachers and i will war them with what with the sword of my mouth is with the word of god let Anyone who has an ear listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches to everyone who conquers I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give you a white stone and on the white stone is written a new name and that no one knows except the one who receives it so I will teach this last scripture and end for today so the last scripture is uh, from the message to the pergamum is let anyone who has an ear listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches is a plural so he is not speaking only to pergamum he is speaking to all the churches to everyone who conquers i told you who's conqueror you go back and read your i'm not going to give you all the scriptures 1 john 5 4 who conquers who one who overcomes is a conqueror i will give some of the hidden manna what do you mean by the hidden manna now what was manna if you think in the old testament manna was the flakes that came down from heaven and they fed the 
Israelites for long, for 40 years of the journey, every day they got fresh. It was not given one day and they had a ration for one month. It was, it came fresh every day. But after the, uh, after the period of receiving the manna was over, when they came into the promised land, what God told them, before they could enter into the promised land, take some of that manna. And you need to keep it as a remembrance for the for the people to come. So where did they keep it? They kept it in the Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark of the Covenant was placed in a box and it had stands and people had to carry that Ark of the Covenant. And along with the manna, there were also two other things. Now you go do research. I will not make it easy for you. There was a staff of Aaron and 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 the tablet. Yes. So all these were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant and they were supposed to take it and go and take it to the promised land. And out of the promised land it took many years for them to build a temple. The main aim was to build a temple and keep the ark over there. And there was a time that David got so scared. What he did? He left it with this? With one of the persons outside before he entered into the into his house. So he was so scared of what it will do. He left it in the a person's house, and that person Obadiah, I think. So he started, you know, he started prospering so much. And when David saw that wherever the ark is, he's prospering. He goes back and with full pomp and dancing and everything, he brings it to his house. But David doesn't build the temple. Who builds the temple? Solomon builds the temple. And Solomon builds the temple. The ark is taken by prophet Jeremiah and placed in the temple. And then there's a great persecution going to come. The Solomon, the temple is going to be completely broken down. And this temple, now Jeremiah takes and goes and hides it. And you know where it was hidden? It was hidden in a place. And that was the exact place where Jesus was crucified. It was hidden right deep down below. And that was the place where, the same place where Jesus was crucified. So the manna was hidden. The manna was hidden. Do you understand? That is a hidden manna. And for us, the living manna is who? Jesus. And how does he come to us? In the form of? Of the Eucharist. We receive him. Now why do you say it is hidden? It is hidden because if he came in his glory, his face is like, you know, I said it's so beautiful like this, like the star, like the shining. And not one shining star. It's like a thousand stars. You can't even look at him. And moment you see Jesus, everybody has, you know, either fainted, fallen down as dead or ran away because you cannot stand before so much of holiness. Nobody can stand. Instantly you will be told of your impurity. Your ugliness is all exposed that day. So you cannot stand before someone who is so pure. So God hides himself in that little piece of bread that you take every day. But that is not a symbolic representation of Christ that is Jesus who is hidden in that and comes inside of you because it is proven time and again in many people's life that has actually turned into flesh and blood in their body. If you truly desire, I'm telling you, you truly want to experience that, you can really go to the Lord. Get your heart clear of every negativity and say, Lord, I want to experience you. God says he is not a partial God. He is not blessed that with somebody else. You also will experience that manna. So that hidden manna is what he's talking about. I will give you some of the hidden manna and I will give you a white stone. Now in the time of the Pergamum, what they used to do? In, when they used to have the people, you know, suppose, the, um, uh, suppose it's a court. People are coming and one person is uh, made to stand in the, you know, he's committed a crime. So there are a lot of people, the jury who sits over there, and they're given black stones and they're given white stones. 
and then the they come, they will listen to the entire uh, you know the case is heard from the beginning to the end for what is for for what is for against and at the end of the entire when everything is over people have to place the stones so if they place the black stones if they place the black stones there are more black stones the person is condemned and if the white stones are placed the person is set free that was the uh, you know the the practice at that point of time so what god is telling you i will give you a white stone and what does he mean by the white stone that i am going to make you clean completely even when jesus when god the father gave them the stone or the tablet of the stone what he told moses to do he had to purify it clean up the lines to make it white they poured limestone on that tablet after that god wrote on it are you understanding he made the stone completely white so he says that when you stand this affliction when you go through all this problem you go through this afflictions you go through this persecution you do not listen to the prophet you know to do this to this mormons or to these negative prophets you keep away from them then i am going to bless you with the hidden manna i am going to give you a white stone means white stone means i am going to make even if your past is as red as crimson i'll make you as white as snow so i'll give you a white stone and on that stone i will write a new name now what do you mean by this new name suppose i'm called by lena on this earth when i go to heaven that will be not my name i will be not called as lena in heaven god is going to give me a new name and that new name of mine will be written on that stone and that will be placed outside the house that will be my house forever in heaven are you understanding Are you understanding? So when you go through all these things, God is going to say that I am going to bless you with manna. I am going to manna means now He is blessing him. He is the manna. He has become the manna. We don't need to take little food to fill our physical body. He becomes a spiritual food that is for all eternity, and He makes us, you know, you know, gives us a white stone, making us white as snow, and He gives us a new name. So we will be not called by the earthly name that we have here. All Rameshwari, Pushpa, Lata, Meena, Geeta, all those names will go away. God is going to bless us with a new name, and that is the name that He is calling each and every one of us. Amen.